Greetings, fellow podcast travelers. It was the great Archimedes. Remember him? Uh, he worked in uh, HR for a while. Then he transferred over to engineering. You remember Archimedes. He was a nice guy, super popular, told sort of inappropriate jokes. But it was the great Archimedes who said, give me a lever and I will move the world. And that is what we want to talk about today. Because you're about to embark on a three-part podcast series. And the topic of this three-part podcast series is not Archimedes, although kind of it is. The topic of this three-part podcast series are the three big changes you can engage to ensure your organization will successfully improve. Welcome to Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. I'm glad you're here. This is part two of the three-part series, The Three Levers of Change, where we talk about, you know, fulcrums and physics and moving the world and those kind of things. It's pretty exciting, I think. This is the middle one, and the middle one's a, a pretty good one to talk about. I think you're going to enjoy it immensely, actually. Uh, at least that's my plan. I hope you do. But let me see. What else? Okay, so Project I can actually make an announcement about Project X. I've been waiting to do this for a long time. So Project X is, are you ready for this? Do you have, uh, are you sitting down? Because I can't tell because I can't see. But if, if you're not, maybe you should sit down unless you're, I don't know, jogging and then don't sit down. Although it seems like sitting down would be the best part of jogging. But we can talk about that later. Here is Project X. Uh, Sydney Decker and I have written a book. Yes, it's true. Um, and boy, do I have stories about it. It was, it was quite an adventure, this. I think you're really going to like it. It's called Doing Safety Differently, and it should be out soon. It's, uh, it's run through all the things it has to run through, and so that's good because it's kind of a big deal. Ask anybody who does this. But this is exciting for us because what we talked about doing this, and I'm sure I'll do an entire podcast on this very thing, and it became sort of a challenge that we threw down on one another, in front of one another, to see if we could actually do this and become friends and actually move forward and not have a giant argument. And it was really a great experience. But the good part is it's actually a really good book. I I think you'll like it. It's It's very applied, much more applied than other books, but I think really a valuable book for you to listen to. So that's a part of it as well. But enough on Project X. We could talk about Project X till the uh, cows come home. But look forward to that. That's coming. Let's talk about why we're here, which is part two. So this is part two of the podcast. See what you think. I can't wait for you to hear it. Okay, so here we go. So last week we talked about the first lever of change, which is how your organization defines what your organization wants. And I use that as a secret code word to really talk about redefining safety. Safety is not the absence of accidents. It's the presence of capacity. You remember. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I'm pretty sure you'll recall that even if you don't recall stuff. Um, I'm not saying it was earth-shattering, but... It's pretty important to change, and it's foundational. This week, we're going to talk about the second lever. 
And the second lever, quite honestly, this is the one that surprised me the most. Because I, 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 I guess it makes total sense it's here. But organizations that I talked to about how they facilitated change all came around to something that had to change in order for the organization to be successful. I don't think any of the organizations, let me think. Yeah, I don't think any of the organizations I talked to directly had this as a strategic imperative. They all kind of discovered this. They slid into it in a backwards fashion. So I guess maybe talking about this second lever is important for you because you cannot have to slide into it. You can actually make a plan, both strategic and tactically, and um, make this a part of your change management strategy. And, and it works. And like I said, every single organization I talked to all came around to the same idea. So let me not belabor too long. I mean, how much drama can you handle? The second lever is you have to change how you learn from yourself and from others. Now, that's a bit fancy pants sounding. I mean, if you really pushed me and said, okay, cut to the chase, the quick answer is you got to change the way you do investigations, period. So investigations, if they fall under the old rubric, I just like saying the word rubric, they're going to pretty much be accountability determination events. Even if you're deep into root cause, even ultimately what we tend to do is we tend to investigate not what happened, but we tend to investigate how we failed to prevent from whatever happening happened. Did that make sense? That sentence felt awkward. And, and that's a function to a great extent of the first lever, changing the definition of safety. If you change the definition of safety, then you buy, you just have to, but sort of automatically have to change the way you do learning. And learning's really important. I mean, it's, it's everything. And you'll notice this lever says you have to change the way your organization learns from itself and from other organizations. And so there's really two layers of learning that are involved in this second lever. The first one is how do you do really operational learning or, or field learning is a, a term I hear used a lot. And, and that's actually a really great way to think about it. And we spent a lot of time, both Bob Edwards and Andy and the gang, uh, really thinking about operational learning. In fact, I would say Bob's turned it into a career. That's pretty much what he talks about. Well, there's a reason that he talks about it, and there's a reason he's good at it, and there's a reason it's his career, and it's because it's so vital. This is uh, one of the big three. And ultimately, where we have to start this discussion is around the realization that under the old view, in the older paradigm, learning was not really established to understand context it really wasn't. And in fact, oftentimes, and you guys will remember this if you've been around a while, oftentimes some of the very important contextual learning we would learn in an event review or an accident investigation, we would not put into the report because we didn't believe it fit in what either the regulator or the bosses or the board of directors or the client wanted. And so we would purposely omit things like goal conflict or production pressure 
or decision bias or uh, i mean we could list this that list could go on a long time because it didn't really fit on the timeline and so we went under the old view that what we want to do is reconstruct the facts to the best of our ability but they're still going to be biased i mean facts by definition are based upon the sort of point of view you have of the event but we'd reconstruct the facts and try to dutifully determine at what point there was some deficiency in the program, and then we'd come up with a counterfactual. And a counterfactual, is it means exactly what it says. It counters the fact. So a great example of a counterfactual and a pretty good example of a finding would be workers failed to follow procedure. So you've probably done, uh, oh, I don't know, 51.7 investigations that had a finding that said worker failed to follow procedure. So that's bad because that's a counterfactual. So what you're doing is actually making a finding, making a learning result of something that did not happen, which is kind of stupid when you say it out loud because almost everything did not happen. And so why limit yourself to just the things that did not happen you can think of? You could also say aliens did not shoot safety beam on workers and save their life. You know, that also did not happen. Right, But because the old view really was built around the idea of, of finding deficiency and then fixing that deficiency, which is kind of how we would do corrective actions, that has really colored our learning. And quite honestly, it forces us to do two things that are really bad. The first one is to oversimplify an event. So talk about the event without talking about the context. And then the second thing, and probably even more serious, is it forced us to find kind of the one thing we could fix immediately in order to ensure that this event wouldn't happen again. Which leads us into a discussion that is worth having. So many times I've asked big organizations, why do you investigate? Why do you learn? You know, and I try to be really curious and kind and make that curious and kind face and put my fist underneath my chin and kind of look lovingly. You, you know the look, right? Why do you investigate? And most of the time their answer is to avoid reoccurrence, which I guess we've taught ourselves is the right answer, but I don't think it is. I, I'm going to say something that's really obvious, but it's important to talk about in the second lever. And that is that investigations have one function. And that's to learn. The reason we investigate is to learn. Investigations learn, corrective actions fix, and they're different activities. An investigation is not a corrective action, and corrective actions are not learning. They're fixing. And so we really have to be careful, or, or maybe, maybe careful is the wrong word. We really have to remember aggressively, maybe that's a better way to say that, that learning is actually a function of an organization's improvement strategy. And that operational excellence, if you ask me to define it, I would define it by saying operational excellence is assessed by the organization's ability to learn from itself. Right? That's not a terribly hard concept. And yet, doing it is pretty challenging. And the reason it's so challenging is, is because... If we think we know the answer, then we don't have to ask the question. 
And so oftentimes we, we go into a learning environment in order to reinforce an opinion that we already have. And we'll either do this directly or we'll do it subconsciously. And probably we do it in some combination of both because you're always going to have a bias. In fact, the word for this is called confirmation bias. So you, you make an opinion and then you go out into the field and you look for proof that says that opinion is correct. And that's just a function of being a human being. It'd be hard to take that away because it's kind of naturally hardwired into who we are as people, who we are as workers, who we are as leaders. But the challenge is, is that we have to do our best to really expand our learning beyond the simple to understanding the complex relationships that exist within the process of doing work. Because the work environment is a complex environment. There are many facets to it, and they're all tightly coupled, usually around the operator or operators doing the job. And so we're not at a loss because that would be the wrong image. We're in a position where our traditional learning tools are no longer sufficient to reinforce the new way we're thinking about the safety problem. Right? And that builds right on this idea that we talked about last week that you first have to change the definition of safety. And then once you change that definition, then your traditional event learning, operational learning activities are no longer enough or they no longer actually give you information that is useful in order to create improvement. And so you got to change because if you don't change, the system will force you to change. But one of the powerful things about changing the way you do investigations, changing operational learning is that it gives you different results. And then when you take that report that includes those different results, you actually present a different story to the leaders who have to make strategic and operational decisions based upon what you learned. And so one of the best ways to influence leaders to actually move towards improvement in a deliberate fashion is by giving them better learning products that encourage them to ask the right questions and desire different outcomes. So it's a little bit chicken and egg, right? So which came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't really have an answer to that. But one of the things that's interesting is one of the ways we can get leaders to lead differently is by giving them different stories of what's happening in the organization. And if we offer them different stories, then that will elicit different ideas which will then eventually elicit different questions, which will then eventually, oh, hopefully, elicit different deliverables or expectations they have for what the organization will do with this information. Does that make sense? That's the power of changing learning. And honestly, that's the power of changing investigations. I know it's obvious, and I said it before, but investigations don't set out to fix a problem, right? That's what leadership does based upon the result of the investigation. So investigations, in my mind, don't really produce um, 
corrective actions. What investigations really should produce are some kind of identification of a need. Or in my world, we would call it a judgment of need. And so the investigation identifies the place where there's a need in your processes, practices, systems, organizational structure, goals, operations, production, pick, pick whatever you represent, quality, environment, safety, whatever you represent. And then once we've identified that need, then the next process is to take the learning outcomes from the investigation or from the event learning, do some analysis on that learning, and create some kind of path forward based upon the identification of that need. Now, I'm always worried when I say this, that this sounds like I'm making everything more complicated. Uh, and it may actually feel that way when you hear me talk about it. But if you're in an organization that's changed their investigation protocols and are really identifying sort of the need to learn and improve in order to give better data to the people who do corrective action planning and leaders who actually make those corrective actions work, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when you improve your learning strategy, in fact, what I've noticed is that your job gets easier, not harder. Diffusing corrective actions out to the organization is easier to do, not harder to do. And the reason is, is because those corrective actions make more sense. Because they're not fixing a problem aggressively that we don't have. They're actually identifying a need, some kind of fragility in the system or weakness in the system or problem in the system, and then addressing that need with multiple potential corrective actions. And oftentimes, coming from many different parts of the organization, which collectively make the problem get better. Learning is ultimately a tool you use for improvement. And investigations really should, at their very minimum, be opportunities to learn. In the best case scenario, they're opportunities to learn that create incredibly clear and understandable pictures of where we have some additional need in the work environment in which the work happens. But at best, what the investigation needs to do is provide enough learning that we can analyze towards improvement. And this shouldn't scare you or freak you out or worry you because really what we're addressing here is something that we should have addressed a long time ago. And that is that our traditional way of finding the one thing, oversimplifying the problem to the one moment where some deviation happened or something did not take place, and then making sure that what should have taken place takes place next time, we're smarter than that. We should have known that that really feels like we're doing something, but in reality, we're not accomplishing very much at all that's relatively significant. And so when you think about how you and your organization learn from yourself and from others, 
that lever for change is invaluable and needs to be deliberately part of thinking of facilitating change. You don't want to actually stumble into this later, like so many organizations before us have. You want to build this into the process really early. So one of the things you can think about is we can actually change our investigation protocols immediately because they're ours. I mean, nobody else owns them. They're ours. And we can ask a series of different questions. Let me give you an example because I think that'll help. There's an organization I know. I've spent a lot of time working with them, and they're great. They're one of those organizations that had to have the cold, hard look in the mirror about midway through their transition and realize that their investigations weren't good. Although they thought they were great and they were super proud of them, they just weren't good. And so what they did was they added one question really early on to the initial event learning process, even the old standard initial event learning process that they use. And the question they ask, I want you to think about how powerful this was and how it reinforces why this is the second lever. So they ask for, you know, what happened, description of the event, and then the next question was, did a safeguard stop the consequence of this event from becoming worse? If so, yes. If no, why not? What's so interesting is that one little question, would a safeguard have stopped the consequence, or I guess in this case, did a safeguard stop the consequence from becoming worse, changed everything about their event learning protocol. You talk about the power of changing minds and how words matter. This was really an important shift because it forced function everybody who had to fill the paperwork out and even more importantly, everybody who had to read the paperwork after it was filled out for them to actually address the presence of controls in the operation and how successful they were in managing the consequence down or better, whatever word you want to use. That started what ended up being a relatively dramatic change in the way they did operational learning at almost every level of the organization. But it started with that one little baby step. And that question's brilliant. I mean, it's just brilliant because it forces the organization within its own paperwork to actually look at the problem differently, to not oversimplify, to not look for the one cause, but in fact, to look for the context-rich features that exist in the event and to understand the power that, in this case, the controls had in impacting the event's ability to be horrific, uh, to be worst-case scenario. And where you really see this having payoff is around fatalities and serious events. Because if you can look at fatalities and serious events and the precursors that lead to those fatalities and serious events with a much deeper level of learning than the learning product that you analyze in order to understand what to do next, by definition becomes richer and better and more complete and more interesting.
The second lever is change how you investigate. Even better, let's rephrase it. The second lever is change how your organization learns from itself and from other organizations. Do it deliberately. Understand why this change makes a difference and socialize it effectively and talk about the fact that this new process of learning gives you deeper, better, and a more complete understanding of the conditions that had to exist for the failure to happen the way it happened. So that's number two. Change how your organization learns from itself and from others. Change the way you do investigations. So we're starting to build a case here. We've got three of these levers, right? Only three. The first one is change how your organization defines what it wants. Okay, we got that one. We covered it completely. The second one, today's topic, is change how your organization learns from itself and from others. These are important. And I hope, if nothing else happens, I hope that there's at least a little fodder for you to think about these changes and think about how important these levers are. Because you know what happens next week. I mean, a bunch of stuff's going to happen next week. But you know what's ultimately going to happen next week is we're going to talk about the third and final lever. And that third and final lever, that one I think will bring a nice little bow around these three concepts and actually build a pretty good case that this is, in fact, some vital information that we should know. And organizations know it, but they had to learn it kind of the hard way. We're getting to talk about them kind of strategically in a precursive way. Oh, my goodness, this might be leading data. I didn't think about this. Holy cow. No, it's not. But but it could be. It feels like it, right? That's the discussion. So, number one, change how your organization define what it wants. Number two, change how your organization learns from itself and from others. And next week, we'll have number three. I hope this is helpful. Um, I sure think this is important information. And I sure think we should talk about it. And I hope you guys are thinking about it a lot. Until then, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be good to each other. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. (laughs) 